0: Hello and welcome to episode 137 of the NFL Scotland podcast, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the Super Bowl champions. This one's going to be celebratory and salty. My name is Cameron Hobbs.
1: Is this thing on? Let me tell you how salty it's going to be. <laughs> on the only podcast in Scotland that is yet to feature Jason Leach. we'll talk about all the Super Bowl news. <laughs>
0: And to do that, we're joined by Gordon McGinnis and Charles Parsons. Um, afternoon, gents. So, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's let's do this uh, celebratory part to this first of all, and let's celebrate the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for their Super Bowl championship. Um, because we can do this, and then we can talk about the rest of the stuff. So, first of all, congratulations. First time in a while. Very much deserved a great performance from them on the night across the board, uh, perhaps defensively more than offensively. Where does your celebrations go to? Who do you want to congratulate? What do you want to highlight on
2: that front? Afternoon. Um, yeah, many congratulations. They played the best. They made the fewest mistakes. And their defense took advantage of the mismatches in the last three games. And yeah, you got to hand it to them. I think the, the biggest credit should go, I think, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers general manager, Jason Licht, who went out in the off season, realized he could get Tom Brady. He and Bruce Arians lured him to Tampa and then basically did what Brady wanted and got in the weapons. They've got an offensive line that's as good as any in the league. The defensive line took advantage in in the playoffs and you've got to hand it to them. That's the credit. I've, I've said it's a manufactured, manipulated operation here. I don't like the way in which they've done it in some respects, but I have respect for the way they've done it, and they—they they were ultimately the best. The best team always wins, but they have rode their luck and they've made the most of the opportunities. And they were—they were—it was a—it was a washout of the game because they were so dominant from start to finish. I, I think Lick did a tremendous job this year,
3: bringing players in, and he's done a good job the last couple of years as well. You look at the players who stood out in that game. Tristan Works was their first round pick this year. He had a really nice game. It's a really strong season. Um, Their defensive backs, which were key in this game, and kind of underrated because of how much pressure there was, they're all guys that they drafted in the last couple of years in the first, second, third rounds. I think think Todd Bowles did a tremendous job. Tremendous job calling a great game plan that the Chiefs just didn't adjust to at all. Um, They knew that they had the opportunity to dominate that game up front. And we said it before when we were previewing the game, the, the biggest opportunity they have is that they can cause serious havoc up front on defense without having to bring extra pressure. And if you can go against Patrick Mahomes and you can say, okay, we're going to drop seven guys back into coverage and we're just going to use these four guys up front, then it gives you a huge opportunity. But it wasn't just a case of they went in and they said, okay, our four guys are going to win up front and that's fine. They used a lot of stunts. They moved Vita Vea and, and Damakung Su from tackle to end at points and had them crush in on the offensive tackles. They did a load of stuff to keep the Chiefs off balance on the offensive line, basically said to them, your offensive line is not experienced enough to handle what we're going to do with our front four. And that allowed them to do a lot of stuff in the back. Um, and it, it was the point. There's Pressure is something that there is a level, you know, that it comes down to what the quarterback has to deal with. And the quarterback has to be able to react. The level of pressure that Patrick Mahomes was under just reaches the point whereby it all falls apart. And there is, there's a level that you can get to and you can survive the level of pressure they were able to put him under was not survivable.
2: The best stat I think of the whole game was the fact that Mahomes ran for 497 yards before his passes or sacks, which is the most by any quarterback in any game this season. And I think I can't. Remember, I think it was Greg Rosenthal from the NFL. He nailed the tweet where he said, "This is a, this is what it would look like if Patrick Mahomes played." for the Cincinnati Bengals every week. <laughs> and that is fair because it was a total mismatch because he was missing his two starting offensive tackles, Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, And that's what happens when you lose key players. And to be fair to Tampa, they took advantage of it, not just in that game. They took advantage of it two weeks previously when Green Bay were missing David Bakhtiari. That was a hugely underrated part of the reason that Green Bay didn't score points on them. And Tampa have kept Kansas City to nine points, Green Bay to 26 points and New Orleans to 20 points in three games. Those are the those are three division winners and arguably the three best teams in football coming into the playoffs. And they've beaten them all. So you have to give them huge amounts of kudos for that.
3: I think as well on the offensive line, um, it's just something that the Chiefs had to go into that game and should have been able to react to. Uh, It's it's the one thing that Patrick Mahomes doesn't do too well is that. He loves taking like a 10-yard drop back, a 10-step drop back. And that's fine when you've got good, solid offensive tackles. It's fine when you're able to get a pass out there. In this game, they had to know that you're going to be under a lot of pressure, and they just didn't adjust. They didn't go for quicker passes. They didn't go for, you know, throwing in a bunch more screens. And, you know, some of the stuff they'd done in previous games where they throw little pop passes to fullbacks and tight ends just to keep the defense off balance. They tried to play a very standard game plan, with a huge mismatch up front, and I think that's ultimately
1: what did them in. So, I would like to congratulate my friends in Tampa Bay. I'm, as you know, I'm a big Tampa Bay Rays fan, so I do like sport in the area. That said, however, Charles has already on, mentioned just,
0: just before you start, I was just no. for anyone that's never heard it before, uh, that's the first recorded audible sound of what gritted teeth actually sound like. So, <laughs> anyway, on you go.
1: Let me go. So, <laughs> worth noting that in the, the two Super Bowl wins of the Tampa Bay Bucks, they've lost all four games during the regular season to the Saints. Uh, and I say that because the Saints should have been able to beat them. Green Bay should have been able to beat them. Uh, Kansas City should have been able to beat them. So, you've got to give all the credit in the world to the Tampa Bay Bucks, their coaches, and the, the way they've brought it together. Gordon mentioned a couple of the standouts. The worst, Devin White was a standout. I still can't decide whether it's the side judge or the field judge that was more on their side uh, because you've got to talk about what was just some really ticky tacky, awful refereeing calls. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't think that the game plan that the Chiefs came into was right. But some of these files, I mean, the the one in the end zone that Evans had no chance of catching, that was a ball bag flag. Uh, Tyrone Matthew getting called for saying something nasty to Tom Brady, that was a ball bag flag. The interception made by Chavarius Ward was called back for some form of defensive holding seen perhaps from what an inch away because nobody else saw it. You're supposed to let teams play. I don't think the officials let teams play. And if you think it's sour grapes, that's fine. But Terry McCauley, who's the Sunday night football uh, referee adjudicator, also tweeted out something fairly similar. Um, I just thought it was poor officiating from a crew that is known for being flag happy. There was no doubt about that. But it would have been very interesting to see the Green Bay game against Tampa Bay called to the same standard because you would have got a very different outcome on that. Anyway, congratulations to them. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> I, look, I, I think it's—I—I
3: I, I watched the game on, on with Cam over Zoom and a few other people, and I said it throughout. Like, in, especially in the first half, there was a load of penalty calls that they weren't terrible. They weren't. Oh, that's the worst call I've ever seen in my life. It was just a bit like really calling that in the Super Bowl. That's not. Uh, but but there was a load of them. That I think actually. Were just a bit of bad luck. The pass interference at the end of the first half down the sideline...
0: Where they tripped over each other's legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. It it looked, it looked on the first look, oh, that's pass interference. He's hauled them yeah. down. You then see the replay, and it's like, oh, they've just got their feet tangled. Like it was. There was a load of those calls that you initially look at, and you're like, yeah, it's a flag. And then you see it on the replay, and you're like, it's probably not really. So it's one of those things that... I think they probably were a little bit egregious in the way they called them. I think the Chiefs also just got a little bit
2: unlucky that certain things initially looked a lot worse than they were. Let's just be honest. Mike Evans dived at least once, if not twice. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be blunt about this. And And you know what? When you've got TB number 12 on your team, you know that there's been a few things passed from one person to another prior to the game. I'm not alleging anything here. I'm just speculating. So So you've always got the gods in your favour before you've even started. Did it look
0: one-sided, though? Because Brady was actually at least putting his guys in a position to get fouls and draw fouls. And is that the difference there? Because it felt like with Mahomes, it was such a scramble. It was very rarely plan A. And it felt like he was constantly up against it um, to the point where he's he's running around trying to make things happen. Meaning that you're not the chances of getting a, a, a drawing penalty on that is harder because the opposition don't know where you're going and they're not close to you. And then it was a combination of the the, the Chiefs receivers just having terrible days all round. Now, it was at that point where they needed to make something happen and whether it was the added pressure that they're just not used to. But there was so many drops, so many balls. That somehow, I mean, there's that amazing one towards the end where Mahomes is basically lying on, <laughs> uh, completely horizontal, uh, and still manages to smack his boy in the face. But there seemed to be loads of that. That was a catchable ball that wasn't caught. That was a catchable ball that wasn't caught. Um And I think that Brady was clinical without being sensational and allowed his players to draw those fouls because it was plan a it was it was the game plan it's what he intended to do and that way the it was in such a groove that the the chiefs players were so close that they're they were giving away those fouls the offside one for the field goal was um terrible like that's just scrappy crappy play um, yeah. And it was that was a huge game changer. At that point, you hold them to a field goal. And it was little things like that where they didn't help themselves either. There was no momentum at any point back in Kansas City's favor. And it felt like the Packers managed to get momentum back. They had that bad start. They had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers scoring points, but they got themselves back into the game. And the Chiefs never, ever, ever did. You look at the numbers on but- the day, and other than turnovers, it looks very even, but it just wasn't. It just wasn't
1: but they would have had the momentum and they got it taken away from them a couple of times. And no. the, the one you mentioned was terrible. I feel like they were the most penalised team in the first half of a Super Bowl and at least half of them were ticky-tacky. Now, do I think I think they would have changed the game to a certain extent that they might have actually changed things a little bit at, at half-time. But those... You know, Two of those flags led to touchdowns rather than field goals, and that changed the game for me. Now, their game plan, I I agree with Gordon. They looked bereft of ideas of how to change things, but also I think Tampa Bay just got a lift from those calls. Just sometimes, the, the other edge, and I don't know, sometimes they'd won it the previous year. Do you fight as hard to win it again when sometimes you think the chips are down? I'm not convinced you naturally do. So, but you- Having
0: coming into the Super Bowl, though, and against, we talk about momentum, and again, up against the Niners, the start of the third quarter, it was all San Francisco. But Kansas grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck and turned it round. At no point in this did they look like it. And I think that's the difference for me here. And, and, and for me, it's down to the offensive line, definitely. It was so porous and it was so banged up. And Tampa Bay absolutely exploited it. If San Francisco had faced that same front line for, against the Chiefs, the Niners would have won the Super Bowl because Mahomes wouldn't have had the time to do what he needed to do against that defense either. And I think where this is a fascinating story is, and this is so atypical of sports in general and, and, and the NFL, is obviously this is all about Mahomes didn't show up versus Brady's led his team to another Super Bowl. And actually the real story here isn't about either of those two players. It's about the defense for Tampa Bay absolutely turning up and making the most of a porous offensive line, showing the value of an offensive line to a top-quality quarterback and the significance of every single man on this field. Um, And I think that it's... For me, I don't wanna say it's not about Tom well, it's not it's not about Tom Brady. Do you know what? It's I think not. The frustrating thing for me out of this is the people who deserve the most amount of credit aren't getting it. And it's the people that have been part of this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team for the last couple of years. And it's the people who have been building these relationships and these styles and these playbooks and the way that they play. That defense is tremendous. It's very, very good. And it was pretty crappy at the start of the season. They've got their stuff together.
3: Counterpoint on that. As much as I I think Brady was solid, not spectacular. Like his numbers, three touchdowns, no interceptions. There were a couple of throws there that could have been picked off in that game. The counterpoint to that, though, is that this Buccaneers team, a year ago, could put up points. They could stop people on defense. What killed them was Jameis Winston's turnovers. Tom Brady coming in there as a player who can make the big throws and not turn the ball over.
2: Well, is the reason he why the championship game though he made three he made three turnovers in the championship game the problem was that they didn't take advantage of it yeah like, yeah, yeah but Do you know i i get i get the brady the, the, the thing that brady's done is he's brought together this culture let's be honest he is not the brady who of 2007 with Randy Moss but he is a top 10 quarterback he's probably a top 5 quarterback but he's not he's not that elite level that he was once the, the turnover argument is absolutely totally fundamental, but I think it shows just how good Tampa Bay would have been with any other quarterback. If you, pl- let's say you plugged in Baker Mayfield into that team, let's say that you plugged in even Jared Goff into that team. I still think that you would have had more success than with Jameis Winston. So good luck. Good luck, Paul. So <laughs> <laughs> it's all yeah, it's,
1: uh, Let's call a timeout here for a second. So, there is no formal ball bag nominations, but I am nominating Gordon for the ball bag because that was the most beautiful slight on the Saints that I'd ever heard, you know, talking about, you know, Winston was terrible and the difference. And, hey, you're having him next year. I know you didn't say it directly, but I knew you were thinking that. At least Charles had the decency to say that. It, it's interesting that the, the, the quarterback situation... It, it has changed. And we are now in that process where I don't think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that we've not seen a free agency market like this before. And there are going to be more general managers who are going to pull the trigger on finding a top quality quarterback to take your team over the top. Charles said it doesn't really like it. sound, you know, seems a bit manufactured, but I think we've moved into a different era in the NFL, thanks to Tom Brady or... Is he just so special? It's a one off, and you can't just pull anybody off the sidewalk to do that. So, I don't. So, go on.
0: I was going to say there's two points that have been made already in this podcast that I think are utterly relevant to this conversation. And I think that Tom Brady, right, you talked about, you know, this is what you would, Mahomes would be like as the Bengals quarterback. Tom Brady would not have led the Cincinnati Bengals to a Super Bowl this season. I don't think he would have taken them to the postseason. I just don't think so because there's not enough right pieces there in Cincinnati to make that
3: a possibility for, for just, just just to uh react to that though this is the same person who didn't think that Tom Brady would take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers past 8-8 eight eight. that's true because i not
0: because of his ability i thought the change at his age was going to be the challenge <laughs> i hey. absolutely i was wrong i was bang on wrong um we we're, we're living well off that burgers don't you <laughs> complain but i think also the counterpoint here is as well is that not any, i don't think you could put any quarterback into tampa and um win but i think that you could So here's the question if tampa had ended up getting philip rivers instead of tom brady this year would tampa have won the super bowl i don't know the answer to that question but they absolutely would have been as in as much contention as they were this year i think with rivers as brady and i think that this is where the bit comes it's not about going above and beyond because it's tom brady it's making the right upgrade to the right player who's going to take an already good roster that further step forward. Um, it's not about Tom Brady's turned round this franchise. He hasn't. What he's got is he's got them performing to the level that they're capable of. To Gordon's point, they could score points. They could stop team scoring. What were they doing wrong? Well, they were turning the ball over and they just weren't getting it done. They also, I don't think, had much of a run game. Ronald Jones took a step up and they brought in Leonard Fournette. Now, someone said... Obviously, you know, the reason that Gronk's there and the reason that Antonio Brown's there is because of Brady. Fine, I absolutely accept that. Leonard Fournette may well have ended up in Tampa either way. Now, possibly Brady went and said, go get him because he's going to be useful. But they had such a lack of a running game that someone like Leonard Fournette becomes available. I think Fournette gets... You roll the dice on that and you bring him in. Um, They made a couple of big upgrades in a couple of places. I don't think Antonio Brown made a massive contributing factor. That's a hard conversation when he then scores a touchdown in the Super Bowl. But he wasn't a factor in the overall success. What he was, was a factor on the day. The player who scores the goal in the cup final isn't the reason that you won the cup. He's the reason that you won the match. And therefore, it's a different piece.
3: Brown was never going to be wide receiver one in Tampa. But what Tom Brady being able to bring in Gronk and Antonio Brown was is it takes... The lower part of your receiver and bumps that up. So yes. all of a sudden now you're covering one and two fine. You know, your third guy who might only have 30, 40 yards in a game is now against your, you know, your third, your fourth cornerback. Yeah, that's you can't double
0: cover Mike Evans because Antonio Brown is there. Uh, and I, get, I totally get that argument. It, but, but this is where it becomes, it's a piece of the puzzle. It's not necessarily, he's, Antonio Brown being there isn't the reason that suddenly that they're so much better. What he's done is he's, he's allowed that very capable roster with the talent that they've got to succeed. And I think that this is the, that's the piece for me. This is a team game. And this is where all this Brady-Goat conversation and it becomes the biggest talking point, for me, takes away from the great coaching, the great work that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have done. And for me, you know, obviously Brady's always going to get MVP. Personally, for me, it's Devin White. And I know that's not going to be the conversation. I think the the player of the game, was Devin White. Uh, I think he was tremendous. Um, but I get why he wasn't. Um, and I just want it's, to...
2: It's, yeah. it's, 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 no, you're absolutely right. And I think it's it's easy for people, especially the casual observer. I mean, let's be honest, of, the, of all the people who are watching the Super Bowl, I would say 80 to 90% of them maybe don't watch another NFL game in the entire season. And the other 10% who are perhaps the you know, the hardcore supporters, the people who, who look at it week in, week out like we do, we will maybe dig beneath the surface to look at where the game was won and lost. And Tom Brady's picked up another Super Bowl MVP award. He wasn't the best player in the game. I think then, if you look at his stature in the game now, for him to be able to go from New England to to then go to Tampa Bay and to just automatically produce a scenario where they've won the Super Bowl and become champions again, that. Yeah, I I am not a Brady lover. We all know this. I am not a fan of him as the greatest quarterback of all time. I will never, ever accept that argument. But I can fully respect what he has done for that organisation. It's a culture shift. It's made everyone in that locker room stand a couple of, couple of inches taller. And equally to the opposition, I think if you're out there and you're looking at Brady and suddenly Gronkowski's on one side, Brown's on the other, Mike Evans is there, Godwin's there, and then you've got a backfield, you're thinking, hang on a minute, We've got to pick our poison here. And they were all fully functioning. They were all fit. And they were fortunate, I think, to come up against three teams in in the Saints, the Packers and and the Chiefs who were compromised. And I don't think that the storyline for me of this game is the two offensive tackles missing. I think it's a totally different game. I think you have a shootout, maybe with the greatest Super Bowl of all time, if those guys are protecting Pat Mahomes. Instead, he's running for his life. Now you know how it feels To be a Packers fan circa 2015, (laughs) because that's literally what Rodgers did for four years. He ran around trying to make a play, and eventually he would make a play, but he was never protected. He was taking sacks left, right, and center. That I'll be interesting to see how Kansas City react to this and how Mahomes reacts to this because Andy Reid will probably have a lot of regrets after this. I don't think I don't buy the argument at all that because it was their second Super Bowl in a row that they were complacent in any way or they didn't try hard enough. They wanted to win that. And Andy Reid is going to be kicking himself because I think it's a missed opportunity ultimately. I think the
3: the Brady argument that I think is really interesting now is we knew we were going to get the whole Brady versus Belichick argument this year. And I I think you can't have the argument without acknowledging that for the most part... The, the real Brady-Belichick success stories, the two of them together. Tom Brady would not have seven Super Bowl wins if he hadn't played on some of the Belichick teams. Now, the flip side is, would Tom Brady have won any Super Bowls without Belichick? Well, now we know that to be yes, because he can do it. He's done it. Would Bill Belichick have won any Super Bowls without Tom Brady? That, I think, now is a question that you look at and you say, maybe not. Maybe you win one. Over the last few years. And I think what we'll look back on and what the Chiefs are now finding out is that being a dynasty is really bloody difficult in the NFL. And that combination of who some, Charles may not, but some would call the greatest quarterback of all time, who some would call the greatest coach of all time, having them on the same team at the same time just gave us an air that was ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I think it's a fair point. A couple of things before you jump away. One, has anybody checked that Bill Belichick's okay? I think we should. Uh, Two, I think Belichick's got right to reply here. He can coach for another three, four, five, six years. So he does have right to reply. Now, this could be a very dangerous thing because he could be more motivated than ever if he could find a way to coach another team to Super Bowl. I think this is going to be a terrific narrative over the next few years. And just have one last pop at the Bucs, have there been ever been so many dislikable ball bags scoring the same Super Bowl? <laughs> Honest to God. Ugh.
0: That's yeah, I, I think I, I'll be honest that I said this to one of our Tampa Bay Buccaneer listeners. I was like, gutted with the way that the way game, gutted that it was so one sided, gutted that it wasn't more of a contest, gutted at who actually got the touchdowns. Congratulations to the Bucks though, you've got one hell of a roster. Uh and I think that, you know, the this whole bit that keeps coming around, I keep coming back to the thing, you know, Brady wouldn't have been at Tampa if he didn't think that team could win the Super Bowl. And that's it, right? That is it. He knew that the best chance he had of winning the Super Bowl was in Tampa Bay because he looked at the roster and he knew what was going on. So I think we come right full circle all the way back and we congratulate the general manager for what has been some great work over the years putting together one hell of a roster that actually if Brady now stays and these guys decide to stay because they think they've got a chance at winning and they're willing to do it on cut-price contracts, some of them still, they could be relevant for a good couple of years
2: makes free agency really, really interesting because they've obviously got a few guys who are who are, who are going to want to get paid now because they've now got their rings. I mean, Shaq Barrett was, was on the franchise tag coming in at this season. He had a terrific season last year. I think he had 17 or 18 sacks. And you've got to think, if you're his agent, you, you've got to say, right, well, you've got your ring now. You want, the, you want to be the highest paid pass rusher in the league. Can Tampa Bay afford to keep you or do you go to another contender? Because there are... We were talking about briefly about the way they've built this roster. Every team now, I think you nailed it, Cameron, is going to try and build teams like this. It's, it's, it's not about a Super Bowl window, which is going to last three or four years. It's win now. You look at the Packers, they are in a win now situation. They need to add two or three players to the to the puzzle. Los Angeles Rams in exactly the same boat. That's why they went out and got Stafford. I think, I think the 49ers are in the same boat as well. The NFC is wide open. If you can look past the fact that Brady is in Tampa, I think it's it's a, it's a it's a, a conference that you can get to the, the the Super Bowl if you just pick up one or two key pieces. And this, this is going to be a this, on it, I would say this is going to be a fascinating off season for a couple of reasons.
3: One, as Paul and you have touched on, the the quarterback market could be crazy this year. The amount of quarterbacks that could be starting in new places by the time September comes around. Um, also, there are some big name free agents at the market, especially with the Bucks. but no one has touched on yet the fact that because of COVID, the salary cap is going to be about 15, 20 million less than was initially expected. So but, but that's not something that impacts just one team. That's every team in the NFL now. So it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, do teams backload contracts and try and get players with a low cap hit this year and backload it down do we see a lot of players take like one-year prove-it deals and maybe take like a one-year 5 million deal now with a lot of incentives and, you know, to try and get their payday next year? There's going to be so many interesting dynamics. This is going to be an off-season like we've never seen in the NFL. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see just who winds up where, which big-name players go and sign big long-term contracts or, you know, how we see those structured.
0: Yes, indeed, indeed. <clears throat> what up do we think moving on to some other talking points the Antoine Winfield uh victory sign in front of Tyreek Hill how Hi.
3: shithousery at its finest <laughs> yeah. Does how anyone... it, at him?
0: yeah I think that was the thing and I, I, I'd forgotten that Hill had done it I'll be honest and at the time I thought that's unnecessary and then as soon as I was saw the replay I was like ah yeah now don't get me wrong for me I'm like, rise above it because you don't need to do it. But absolutely, I can understand why I did it. And I I don't have a major issue with it. I think I'm okay Never rise
3: above it. (laughs) Never. When when the Ravens beat the Titans and they went and danced on their logo and the players didn't bother shaking hands and left the field, be those people afterwards. If someone does something to you, absolutely give it back
2: to them. And it's okay because it's Tyree Hill so it's fine <laughs> uh, even if it, uh, even if it, he hadn't done it before the fact it's tire hill makes it completely <laughs> legitimate um overall though as a game i
0: guess uh, we're all disappointed that it was a non event from the grand scheme of things it, it never really it never really had any signs of being anything uh, i think the the tone was set early. Uh, there was a couple of quick three and outs pretty much really on both sides. But really, once the Bucs got going, it just, they never looked back at all, um, I guess. I think the best
2: way, to, Cameron, to, 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 to sum it up is it's a slightly unsatisfactory end to what has been a, a very um, compelling but not satisfactory season on a number of levels. I mean... Gordon has has touched on more than on one occasion why they should have looked at maybe extending the season and I think he has he has a point ultimately in the depth of it despite the the Ravens issue and in, in all of that and I think there's been a the, the for me there, there wasn't a classic game in the playoffs. It wasn't a game that you're going to remember forever. And part of the fact that maybe is the fact that there's not been full stadiums, there's not been any memorable moments, mega plays that you're going to talk about for years to come. And I think that the, the Super Bowl ultimately has encapsulated all of those things and that is just unfortunately the world we've lived in it's I think they've done incredibly well to get to the end of the season but there have been obstacles and hurdles along the way that they've not really overcome as well as they could have done and for me and we're going to get on to this the best part of the whole experience watching Sunday night was watching the weekend <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, i thought he God. was great. that's the he trigger was
0: super. there's the trigger
1: fall! <laughs> here we go my goodness see you when he I- went uh, see when he went in that room with all the glass and couldn't get out was the idea you're thinking that is the super bowl halftime show in a nutshell some clown who's got no idea what he's doing or where he's going uh to be honest, if I'm Pepsi, I'd be slightly concerned. I thought it really was poor. And despite what you might think, I went into it with an open mind. No, you didn't. Um,
0: you wrote them off did. as soon as it was announced on this podcast. No, you were I, I had who's fun. this guy? What's this all about? Yeah. You, but he
2: was we blinded all, you, by the shite. That's what he yeah. was.
1: <laughs> we all hear music for the first time and things like that. You never know an artist till you're introduced to them. So I sat down with an open mind. I just thought, oh, my God. I'm not sure they could have done it much worse, let's be honest. And But it has given us a great meme of, you know, that idiot, wandering around in the glass box. Uh, somebody somewhere got rich selling pink jackets that look slightly dodgy. Um, so, you, you know, it's not all bad from that point. I, that think,
3: I think I'm disappointed the NFL Scotland account didn't tweet out the meme of him looking around that glass and tag it as Paul looking for positives for the Saints heading into
1: 2021. <laughs> well, that, that might still that might still come, let, let me tell you. Um, no, I mean... You talk about, can I just jump back to the quality of the game? I went to bed after the end of the third quarter, not because Tampa were winning. It was just a shit Super Bowl. There was nothing that convinced me that Kansas were going to be able to come back. And there was nothing to convince me that the Bucs were going to do anything spectacular to pile on the points. There was absolutely no reason to watch it after that. I think shit is
3: harsh in the sense that I think it was disappointing because we expected a shootout and we expected this really compelling game. I thought it was a really interesting game, but very much from the perspective of how the Bucks absolutely shut down the Chiefs, which took away from a lot of the excitement. I don't think it was an exciting game. I don't think it was bad. It just was a big disappointment from what the hype was. We're going to see Mahomes and Brady throwing four touchdowns each, all these big plays down the field. There really weren't a lot of big plays at all. In the game, it was, you know, it was the Bucs offense kind of chipping away and it was a Bucs offense that went into that game and said, if our defense can shut this offense down, we'll chip away all game and we'll win. Um, and the real story was just how the Bucks defense shut the, the Chiefs down. It was just, just disappointing because it wasn't what we expected it was going to be.
1: Yeah, it's a bit like hiring an unknown guy. To, to do your halftime show. You know, you, it's just one of these things. It's going to be the very the very essence of it. You were disappointed with what was delivered. Absolutely. I, the, the weekend's halftime show was a 6.5 or 7
3: out of 10. Uh, that, 7 out of it. 10
0: is where I'd give it as well. 7 out of 10. It's fine. not brilliant. It wasn't sensational. It was absolutely fine. Play these, these hits. Biggest selling artist, are one of the biggest selling artists of 2020. Biggest song of 2020, no doubt. Um... You know, he's, he's got a Greatest Hits album because he's produced a lot of records. <laughs> um, and it's... Absolutely. I thought you know, it was
1: it was great. If, but- you, if, if you two guys are happy with a Super Bowl show that's a six and a half or a seven out of ten, I'm sorry, it's not acceptable. It I think should be in- a really good
2: thing. In the circumstances, I thought he did a very decent job, and he also put five million pounds of his own money into it. So, do you know what? Hats off to him for actually trying to make an effort.
0: The thing, the thing about the conversation, no and, the thing, and I, the put, I put, I put a slightly sort of tongue in cheek uh, tweet out, you know, and, and Mr. Mitchell, you did bite on it. It wasn't targeted at you, but you did bite. Um, for me, it's the amount of people, I, and I'm going to be slightly sweeping in my generalisation. There's a certain type and age sort of category of people that are saying the same thing. It's the people that are harking for you two to do it. Oh, it should be you two. You two haven't been relevant since two thousand and five. And even then they were dickheads. Like, I don't want to see Bono at the Super Bowl. Bugger off.
3: And it's oh, like um, why I, you like, two <sighs>
2: I, I, Well I would agree with you, Cameron. I'd just like to know Paul who you would propose at this early stage Next do year, the halftime oh, oh. show in next year's Super Bowl, which, of course, remember, is in SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. Come on then, Paul. Who do you think? Who should it be?
1: Get somebody like Keith Urban. Keith Urban. He, d- right. he delivered a great halftime yes. show. You don't need to first... I mean, I, I don't think it is an age thing, Cameron. I'm open to any type of music. I'm quite happy to listen to No, no, no. What I'm music. saying
0: is there's a certain age of people that yeah, want yeah. it to be a, a rock and roll group and only a rock yeah. and roll group.
1: Possibly what I want to be is is impressed. And and frankly, I mean and simply I wasn't. He sounded like a bland third rate R and B singer somewhere along the line. There was nothing that recommend, you know, nothing great about him. Give me a Keith Urban or somebody like that, Sofi Stadium, a bit of California stuff. I think it'll be a different style, but I, I don't know. I mean should we compare it to shows of the past? Absolutely. Just as we compare the game to shows of the past. I don't think anybody's going to be rushing to to rewatch the weekend play the Super Bowl in the same so, way that perhaps they've looked at the Who or Springsteen or Michael Jackson, Prince, Justin Timberlake. You know. Oh, I, mean, see, I, think, Timberlake, I mean, I mean
0: Justin Timberlake was terrible. I thought the Justin Timberlake halftime show was Oh, I thought the Timberlake rotten. one was great. Oh, no, I yeah, didn't, Timberlake one didn't was rate good.
1: It. I love
0: Justin Justin Timberlake. I just thought his halftime show wasn't brilliant. I just thought it was a bit weird. Um, Just, yeah. I mean, look at Maroon 5, where where he's standing with his top off and people bouncing around the him. It's rubbish. Shakira and Jennifer Lopez, put them back where you find them as well. Like, what? It's just... (laughs) <laughs> Lady Gaga was great, and I thought the whole Lady Gaga thing was tremendous. Um, people talking about the audio and stuff like that, moaning about the audio, obviously it's pre-recorded live, and he, he's not singing live on the time just because of issues. Um, but it, it is a live performance. And Katy Perry's one wasn't particularly brown. Coldplay was good, but because of the the lineup, Bruno Mars, fine, beyond that. But before that, you had Beyonce and Destiny's Child, Madonna. You go back and you talk about The Who and things like that. Prince is the one that gets called out, Brown, We by the Rolling Stones. There was one year it was like Jessica Simpson, Janet Jackson, P. Diddy Nelly, Kid Rock, Justin Tim Fine, that's an all star cast. But the year before that was Shania Twain. Like what? Um Phil Collins she's, in two thousand. Brilliant.
1: Oh, Who's doing the she's, ter- she's terrific, by the way. Let's not go there. Sh- Shania, Shania Twain. Twain. Lovely. Shania Twain. <laughs>
0: I, think we'll I don't rate it. The weekend, but
1: I'd love some Shania Twain. I think that says like,
0: everything that we
1: need to say. Whose bed have your boots been under and all these other greatest songs coming coming near you? I think what we need is we need a reunion of Debbie Gibson, Tiffany, and any other, the, the wonderful one from the 80s. Let's do something different next year. But seriously, I mean, I, I get the need it's supposed to be spectacular and dancing. I just thought it was poor musically. If other people liked it, so be it. Uh, but I'll tell you what. SoFi Stadium. You wonder, you just hope everybody can get back to normal and we can get a full stadium. Um I think Cali- I think we'll have a full
3: stadium by next year. Yeah, I think I hope so. I
1: think we'll be I, I would be confident of everywhere but California. Um They will be the last to fall. They'll be the last to fall, but
0: I think by that point they'll be everyone they'll be the, once the vaccine's been rolled out, I think they will, you know, we're a full year away from that. Uh, I mean it was it looked full. And I definitely got tricked by some of those cardboard cutouts. But I'm still convinced there was more people in there than they said there was. Like, there was cut scenes where you're like, right, okay, fine. That doesn't look like a, that looks like more of a 50 50 split in that stadium than anything else. But uh, it was, it was busy. And we had a streaker, which was pointless. And apparently, did it for a, to cash in on a
3: bet. Don't, don't buy it at all. That's a, that's, so what bookie in the right mind accepted a 50,000 bet on a streaker? Yeah. If you if you are a bookie and you accepted that, I hope you've gone out of business because you absolutely deserved it for being that stupid. No one's accepting a fifty <laughs> thousand.
2: Evan Harlan's call and it was extremely good though. I have to yeah. say, it was abso- it was almost as good as MetLife cat call. It was quite quite. Was, was that
3: Harlan as well? Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah, he's
3: tremendous for stuff like that. I actually think it it's rare that you get. You know, everyone thinks that. Uh, a face for radio, and you know, it's a, it's definitely not meant as a compliment. Kevin Harlan has such a great voice for radio. I think his way of being able to describe stuff means that at times you don't need to see it, and I think he is absolutely perfect for things like that.
0: Snopes have done a fact check on this one. So the claim: twenty twenty one Super Bowl streaker won three hundred seventy four thousand dollars after placing a fifty thousand prop bet that someone would streak during the game. Rating. Unproven. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, there is little evidence to support this claim. Uh, I love these things. It's just, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of noises, isn't it? It's, it's, it's great social media content, but like you say, it'd be, yeah. It's, as, it's the equivalent to when and I can't remember who it was we were talking about on the night but the non-league boy in the FA Cup and whether or not he'd eat a pie <laughs> it's that bet um, you know, and it's a nonsense novelty bet if anything else so if someone's taking 50 grand on that jeez jeez oh
1: geez. so I've just, just checked Some, somebody's uh-huh. laid 30 grand on a streaker at Livingston against St. Johnston Betfred <laughs> Cup Final uh, we'll, know, we'll know who it was when they reveal themselves as the streaker <laughs> I mean,
3: with that level of information, I've got a a good guess for who the prime suspect would
0: be. Um, So, thinking about it overall, afterwards, Bruce Arians. And let's talk about Bruce Arians for a little bit because I think that, you know, there's a great story there as well. One of the oldest head coaches to win a Super Bowl. Um, Tremendous career. He's been so close so many times. I thought his speech at lifting the trophy was interesting. He made a point of congratulating, obviously, the owners, but the first people after that that he congratulated were the coaches. it didn't mention a single player. He gave it to his coaches. And I thought it was a really nice, classy touch from him.
1: I was in bed. I never saw it.
3: I think that probably speaks to who Aliens is. Like He's been very good at stuff like that. He, he's made a point of trying to advance the careers of coaches he's brought in. He's very proud of the people he has around him. Um, and I think, you know, you go back to Todd Bowles and Byron Leff, which aren't going to get enough of the media applaud, it's because Arians is the guy who gets the main um, attention as the head coach. And I think he just wanted to shine the light back on those guys and all the people below them as well. What
0: about the Chiefs? Uh, I don't think there's anything there for them to be worried about. But do we think that this defeat will work for or against them? Will it? show other teams that they're utterly beatable and allow teams to be more confident going up against them or will it give the chiefs the fuel to make sure that it doesn't happen again and that they can galvanize around it and and learn from that and move forward
2: i think it'll work in both ways i think the chiefs will um ultimately take a huge amount of um positives from in in a weird way from what's happened because they know that they still have to strengthen no team is invincible I mean, I said through the course of the season that the Chiefs can be got at. They, I think they had only won one match in about nine or ten by a, a, more than a score. Um, I think that, that from the moment they beat the Jets in, in in October through to the playoffs, they only won. They didn't win a game by more than one score. They have got all the offensive weapons in the world, but they are useless if you don't have a, an offensive line to protect the quarterback and are able to, to make these things... To, to, to make these things work. They also conceded 31 points and defensively, they can always get better. So there are there are, whole, there are enough holes in the Chiefs to give the good teams in the AFC reason to believe, such as Baltimore, such as Cleveland, Buffalo, I think on their day that they can be beaten. But the, the, the league changes so quickly um, and it's one of these situations in the league where coaches copy each other all the time. And you looked at the AFC West this year, they all started loading up on speedsters like Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy. And, you know, What are they going to do in the offseason, all the teams in the AFC who are contenders? What are Buffalo going to do? Buffalo need more offensive weapons to keep up with the Chiefs. Cleveland need a defense in order to be able to shut them down. We saw Cleveland nearly beat Kansas City so they're not, I don't think there's many teams that are that far away. But at the same time, Andy Reid's going to be trying to stay one step ahead. I think it works both ways, ultimately. But they are eminently beatable on their day.
3: The way, the way that game went down is the absolute worst-case scenario for the other 15 teams in the AFC. Because I'll tell you now what multiple teams in the AFC, especially the AFC West, are going to spend this offseason doing. They're going to look at that game and they're going to say, well, the key to beating Patrick Mahomes is get pressure. We can get pressure on Patrick Mahomes, we'll beat him. And that's what they're going to focus on. The Ravens might do that. The Bills might do that. The Browns, all these teams that want to try and beat the Chiefs. When you go into the draft and when you go into free agency, what you cannot do is you cannot draft and you cannot sign the opportunity for four of the five Chiefs starting offensive linemen to be out hurt. You cannot draft the ability for Patrick Mahomes to have turf toe going into a big game like that. Teams are going to look at this because this is what NFL teams do. You can't draft referees
0: throwing flags at every single thing either. Although, <laughs> <You're> no, gonna-
1: <laughs> no you, you've just—that's that, cash up front. That is pure cash up front. Nothing else. Okay, they're going to—they're going to think that that's the way to beat the Chiefs,
3: and they're going to ignore the fact that there were fairly significant circumstances that made that possible. It wasn't just about the Bucks being good up front; it was about the Chiefs having nothing along the offensive line, the the blueprint, if it exists, to beat the Chiefs is still scoring a lot of points. Go into every game expecting you to score 30 plus. And if you're the Ravens, the Bills, the Bills, the Bills, I think, just need to make sure that they don't do what the Ravens did a year ago, which was think they're only a couple of players away and go into the draft and draft low-value positions. Be aggressive and attack. But the Ravens, I can absolutely see thinking – that no longer is wide receiver the primary need. They need to make sure they have a good pass rush to go against Patrick Mahomes. And I'll be as annoyed as I was by every single post I saw suggesting that Patrick Queen was in the top three for defensive rookie of the year, if that's the way the Ravens go about their offseason.
0: That's harsh, Gordon.
3: He's in the top four. I, I think, for the record, because this is something that I... There's Ravens fans who get very angry at me when I post things about this, to the point that I've just stopped quote-tweeting sarcasm when I see praise for Patrick Queen there's a very good chance that he's going to be a top five linebacker in the NFL. He's fast. He can react well to plays. As a rookie, he was far too slow at reacting to things. He overplayed um, plays numerous times. He let himself get dominated in the running game. You you can look at his rookie season and say, this guy could be very good. He's got the athleticism to be great. He made enough splash plays to be great. As a rookie, he wasn't one of the top three rookies in the NFL. Indeed.
1: Any other Can point, I just so say, it, yeah, I, I think it's worth a shout out to uh, the area of Tampa Bay. You know, Tampa and St. Pete. So you look at it, you know, they they now are home to the the world champion Bucks. They've got a brilliant ice hockey team in the Lightning. Eh? They took the Stanley Cup, and the Rays went to Game Six of the World Series. What a year! It has and, they, been. and they would have and they would have won it if it wasn't for those pesky analytics. <laughs> Absolutely, couldn't agree more. I'm still in the huff. Over the pooling of Blake Snell, who who I predicted to many would actually think that he wasn't going to be trusted ever again by the race manager Kevin Cash. And he's ended up at the Padres. Uh because I think that relationship was doomed from the moment Kevin Cash walked out to the mound to take the ball off him. So anyway, that that's baseball. But what a heck of a time for for the fans of Tampa Bay. Just a shame they couldn't get into the stadiums more to see it.
0: Yes indeed indeed uh, Quick shout out to Stephen Alexander Who won our Super Bowl predictor Not a single person managed to get the score exactly right But what we did with that is we took everybody then Who took part, put their name in the hat Anybody that guessed the right outcome So Buccaneers win They got their name in again in the hat So you would have your name twice If you managed to then get that the Buccaneers scored 31 Then you'd also get your name in the hat So you could have guessed the Chiefs win But the Bucks get 31, you get an extra name if you guessed the Bucks 31, the Bucks win, then you had three names in the hat. No, no, no. Stephen predicted that the Bucks would win, uh, so he had his name in twice. His name was brought out, and he wins a Stuart Brewing mini-keg, uh, an NFL Scotland hoodie from our friends at Soncy Face, uh, a couple of Bonnie sauce hot sauces, a uh, mug with our exclusive Super Bowl 55 design, courtesy of Goatee Designs. And I... I'm gonna buy Stephen a burger when we can get together later in the year. So we'll all when when we're cashing in these burgers, Stephen will be joining us. Um uh, and he'll be getting a burger too. So Welcome uh, to
2: the club,
1: Stephen. Yeah. I hope can your I think
2: bill looks good for that. <laughs> can
1: brother. I just i have got to quote get like, a job a lot. <laughs> well, I want a fresh burger, by the way. I'll I'll just I'll steal a line from the PTI programme a melancholy happy trails to Chris Wesling, um, from around the NFL.
3: Yes. Yep.
0: I
1: think that
3: was, and sadly, it wasn't just Chris Wesling Yesterday, um, Therese Paylor, who was a Kansas City Chiefs beat writer, um, and then moved on to Yahoo Sports, was only 37, and he died suddenly as well. So uh, a week in the NFL were two very good sports writers and sports people, but also two people who, from every interaction I've seen from people afterwards, were two tremendous guys as well. So
0: I got, yeah,
1: absolutely. and I'm
0: not I'm not at all name dropping because I hate that crap, especially in these situations, but genuinely got to have a quick chat with Wes um, at the Spurs stadium when they did an around the, the league event. And there was hardly anybody there. There was only about a hundred of us. Um, I, I went and spoke afterwards. We'd spoken to Mark because of the Browns thing. Obviously we had Mark on the podcast, which was great, but just stood and spoke to Wes and just such a nice guy. I mean, I'll be perfectly honest. Part of the reason, this podcast even exists is because I used to listen to the Dave Damashek show and I used to used to listen to around the NFL and I used to love it and I used to think, God, I could st- I'd love to just sit and talk about football like these guys do it. They're so passionate, they're so informed, uh, but without necessarily needing to be analytical experts to the point where you feel you've got to prove you know every single detail. What they were able to do was bring a fan's view in a professional way in a really good broadcast and it's great content. It, it continues to be and Wes is a massive part of that so utterly utterly sad news and um, yeah the thoughts from everyone at the NFL Scotland podcast goes out to them on that one so yeah um okay I mean we're we're obviously now approaching into the off season so there's not an awful lot left to do from this year but there, there is one small thing that we probably need to cover that, that we haven't touched on for a couple of weeks now um it, it, you know it, it's significant as well so I'm surprised that it hasn't come up. Um, well,
1: in fact, that's, that's all we've got time for on the NFL Scotland podcast because I know where he's going. <laughs> so, bugger <fuck it> off.
0: <laughs> you can just so, see the grin. Yeah,
3: <laughs>
0: because of the outcome of the uh, NFL, uh, because of the outcome of the Super Bowl, uh, I think what we can do is we can confirm the final placings of our Pick Six competition, which has ran season long. So, uh, Charles, unfortunately, with a fifty-six, fifty-nine record. <laughs> Uh, you do finish in last place there. Um, only one pick ahead of you, though, with also a losing record over the season, is Paul Mitchell with these 57-58. Jamie also went for the Bucs, which means he finishes on 59-56. Ian opted for the Chiefs, so ends on a 62-53. Gordon went Chiefs, so goes 64-51. Uh, and that just leaves one person. Um, so I think that what we need to do there is um, just get some background music here I'll just make sure that that's at the right volume I don't think you guys can even hear this can you it's
1: it's tremendous it's lovely there's nothing like self-congratulation honest to goodness modesty
2: was never your strong point
3: the the best part is he's like he did it almost as if there was this build up as if we didn't (laughs) know that he was winning it anyway because he kept talking about it throughout the entire year
1: (laughs)
0: So ah. there you go. I don't know if you can hear it in the background, but the music's playing. The streamers are going off. Cameron has won the pick six competition. The crowd is his. The crowd goes wild. There's nobody here because it's COVID. Um, it's fine. Listen, that was my moment and I'm taking it. So there you go. Uh, it's been a long season. Uh, at least there's something to get out of it. So, yeah.
2: Are you, are you buying yourself a burger?
0: So, yes. I managed. It was close. It was a close battle. I mean, Gordon and me could have split that. It really did come down to the wire. But with a sixty-six
3: forty-nine, pretty happy with that. I can't. I can't even claim that. I. Do, you know, I only picked the Chiefs because it would have been the opposite choice. I would have gone for the. Yeah. I would have gone for the Chiefs regardless. So, I, I, Sa- sadly, I have to congratulate you and accept the loss.
0: I, and, and I accept your congratulations. And I, they make me warm inside. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Right. Any other news items tickling our fancy for this one? Or are we going to wrap it up here, close the 2020 season officially, and then we'll move on to looking ahead to the draft and the off season, which Gordon said earlier, uh, has got all the makings of being an absolute belter.
2: Free agency is going to be very, very tasty, isn't it? Um, I think the big question coming, going into the next two or three months is, are we going to get back to normal? Are we going to see fans back in stadia? and? There's no, there isn't obviously going to be a combine either. How is that going to affect teams thinking ahead of the draft? I mean, we can talk about these things in the next couple of months, but it has been a very long season Ish. and I'm I'm actually kind of glad of a break, not just because of what happened two weeks ago in the championship game. I'm glad we <laughs> can park it for a, a couple of weeks, if you like, you know. Well, yes, we'll go away. We'll talk
0: about our plans for what we're going to do during the off-season. We'll come back and let you guys know exactly what's going to be going on. Um, But that is a full-time whistle then for episode 137 and the full-time whistle for the official 2020 NFL season. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Please do share your thoughts on this podcast, please do send your uh, congratulations to me for winning the Pick 6 competition uh, at our Twitter feed, at Scotland NFL, and on Facebook by searching for NFL Scotland.
1: We'll be back next season with a whole host of awards, including the Cameron Hobbs Bag Award. <laughs> we hope you will take part every week just so we can mention that. My thanks to this podcast, to Gordon, to Charles, and to Cameron as well. It's a long time till September, folks, but we'll be back with plenty of great content on the NFL Scotland podcast. Thanks for listening and bye for now.